to introduce uh, two friends up here with me. Uh, many of you will know them, but maybe, uh, maybe I'm sure not everyone. Uh, this is Avery Stafford, my, my good friend, uh, that we actually met during, uh, we met on Zoom during COVID Correct. and became friends. And um, yeah, gosh, time flies. But uh, thanks for being willing to be friends with me on Zoom. That's, that feels like a, a higher ask than to me. Anyways, um, Avery Stafford is a it's pastor not. here, in, <laughs> here in, uh, in the Portland area, uh, pastors a church called Common Ground uh, on the west side. And uh, thank you for being here this morning with us. Uh, this is Becky Josberger. Uh, she's a part of our church family and has been for... The week that you started the Jubilee message in January, so five years ago, in January. Yeah, wow. Good memory. Okay. Because he said something about Leviticus, and I was like, in. So uh, this is Becky. She's been a part of our church since we started talking about Leviticus, and um, there's, there's a reference point for you. So um, uh, Becky is also, uh, during the week, a, uh, a professor at, uh, and now dean at uh, Multnomah Seminary. So, yeah. So, you know, promotion. Yeah. So, uh the reason that, that we're sitting up here today, the, the three of us, is that uh, uh, we are in a season called Lent. Um, if you were a part of our uh, Ash Wednesday gathering, uh, you know that. Um, Lent is a, we actually have a, um, it does this, that's, that's helpful. Lent is a season to reflect, prepare, and repent uh, in preparation for celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And so you just heard Katie and I talking about uh, Holy Week quite a bit. And so Palm Sunday through uh, through uh, Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday follows the week of Jesus. And so if you read in the New Testament, Jesus comes in and there's this triumphal entry where he's celebrated. Uh, and then within a week, uh, the leaders turn against him, the people turn against him and want him crucified. And uh, and then Good Friday, we'll, we'll actually do a special gathering on, on Friday of, of Holy Week, Good Friday, to, to reflect on Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, his, his death and crucifixion. Uh, and then we'll come back together on Sunday and celebrate his, his resurrection. So following the actual events of, of that week uh, is Holy Week. Followers of Jesus, the church for hundreds of years has, have celebrated this season of Lent prior to Holy Week. And Lent is a, a period of 40 days, and then you add in Sundays, which actually you're going to talk about a little bit in a minute. Uh, but it's 40 days, and it's modeled after the, the, uh, the temptation uh, that Jesus experienced in the desert. Jesus, after he was baptized, goes into the desert and fasts uh, and prays for 40 days and experience temptation from the devil. There's a great record of that in these, in these verses, Matthew uh, 4, 1 through 11, and Mark uh, 1, 12 and 13, and Luke 4, 1 through 13, uh, record Jesus' experience of resisting the temptation uh, from Satan and how he responds to that is, is really significant. But that, that event in the life of Jesus, those 40 days, um, the church has picked up and said, we want to do a, a season of preparation for Holy Week. And so that's where, that's where the idea of Lent comes from. Um, there's a lot of different ways to engage with that. And what, what we each want to take a few moments to, to just share this morning is, um, is, is really around the question, how have, have uh, and maybe Avery, if you can even start with this, of, of our, we kind of shared our collective experience growing up with Lent. Um, but how do you understand Lent now and how do you experience it? as you walk towards Holy Week. Good morning, Mosaic. Good to see you again. I did not grow up celebrating Lent at all. Uh, my first introduction into Lent 
was at Multnomah University uh, back in the, the 90s. I remember 1998, uh, wife, three kids. I'm trying to keep diapers on kids. and So I'm working full-time while going to school full-time. So I was working for the Courtyard by Marriott down in Tigard. And I was the afternoon and evening supervisor for the hotel. And I remember one Wednesday, I checked in a lady uh, into the hotel. Um, she had just flown all day from New York. And I checked her in, and I did the polite, cordial hello thing. It was distracting. The conversation was distracting because she had this dark smear on her forehead that was just bugging me. And I, I wondered why nobody loved this woman enough to tell her that she had a dirty forehead. <laughs> and uh, after checking her in, I just took a deep breath and said, look, I need to tell you, you've got this smear on your forehead. Um, and she smiled and very calmly said, well, it's Ash Wednesday. And uh, I felt like an idiot immediately. She had stood in line literally around the block at a church in downtown New York City that morning so that she could get the sign of the cross in some special ash on her forehead. And she did that earlier today. So it had been a long day of travel and that was the reason for the smear. And I've thought about that moment a lot over the years that there are people all over the world that want some kind of closer connection with Christ. Yeah, I've, I've thought about that. And that's what I want. I've always wanted that. Now, I didn't know about Lent. I didn't know about the rhythms of Lent. And I don't have ongoing rhythms of Lent, but I know about Holy Week and I know about Easter. I'm a pastor. Easter is part of my job description. Right? It's, it's, it's like going to heaven is a requirement and our job descriptions as pastors, you know. But the idea of looking for opportunities to practically experience Christ, to have fellowship with Christ, oh, I know a lot about that. Becky, you shared you didn't grow up with any kind of context for Lent as well. Not really. I knew sort of about it, but it didn't have anything to do with Leviticus. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so I don't remember my first exposure to it or anything. I just remember it being something other. But like Avery shared, like Tim probably experiences, there's something, even for a biblical scholar uh, who just wants to drown themselves in the text all the time, there's something about the depth of what Holy Week and Easter signify that I have trouble connecting with as deeply as I want to. Um, to me, it's the most important part of the calendar. It's clearly the most important thing that the world has ever experienced, um, especially if you're a believer. Well, I think even if you're not a believer, you just know it if you're a believer. <laughs> um, but for 
an all-or-nothing person who, this year, my daughter and son-in-law would not spend Christmas Eve overnight at our house for the first time because they were sick of me waking them up at like three in the morning with all my glee and delight and excitement and joy. And I'm not quite like that on Easter. And I want to be, but I, I can't quite feel the emotion inside that seems to be appropriate for either the suffering and the death of Christ or the triumph of his resurrection. Um, So I've struggled with that for years, so Lent naturally drew me in. I actually think that God knows that about us, and that's why since the beginning of time, he's set markers in our calendars, um, feasts and festivals, uh, rock piles in the Old Testament, um, Passover, Lent, these kinds of things to give us a way to connect to the unimaginable. And so Lent has, for a number of years now, even if I don't understand all of the origins of it, I learned something new yesterday, I'll share that in a minute, Um, but it has been a helpful way for me to connect um, with the pursuit more closely of God in this season. I didn't didn't grow up with an experience of Lent either, and actually thought it was it was a. I thought you had to be Catholic to like say the word or experience anything to do. So I, I knew nothing about it. Um, I grew up in a uh, a Baptist church is what I, I grew up in, and I just to clarify, Baptist in Southern California, which is I had to learn later that that was very different than Baptist in many other places. But I grew up in a in a church environment in Southern California, and. Uh, didn't didn't know anything about Ash Wednesday or Lent, and really didn't know. I didn't grow up in a um, going to like a, a Good Friday Friday service, and so for me, uh, Holy Week was really reduced to Easter of just Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, and certainly as a kid, it was reduced even further to like bunnies and candy and eggs kind of a thing. And so there's Jesus mixed in in there, but it, you know there was so much other. And so as a young adult. Uh, following Jesus and learning some of the, actually, I first it was learning about fasting that that's actually a, a can be a good thing and a healthy practice, a discipline, a habit that that led me to to Lent and then realizing like oh the the Catholics don't own this and that's not a bad thing that they practice it a lot better and regularly than many other uh, faith traditions and so um, yeah as a young adult kind of experienced Lent for the first time and tried to put some things in place. And what it did is it, it helped, it, it helped do exactly what we're talking about, prepare to, to more fully experience, not, not just Resurrection Sunday, but, but Holy Week and step into that rhythm. And so what it did for me is it, it drew it out and made it deeper and, and, and more meaningful and, and, and longer. It's, it stretched out the calendar for me from one, one day. Avery, if I can go back to you, what, what's your, like, now, how do you how do you view Lent, and then how do you step in and experience it? Like, what's what's become meaningful for you now? I'll answer that two ways. Uh, first, theologically, uh, the Apostle Paul, who is an amazing evangelist. Every now and then, when I read Paul's letters, he sounds more like a pastor than he does an evangelist. And I'm like, dude, get back in your lane and go baptize somebody, or you know. 
but every now and then he'll talk to the church like a pastor. And as I was thinking about this question, I was drawn to his letter to the church in Philippi. And he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection to share in his suffering. That is intriguing to me because I've taught that, I've heard that taught, but this conversation make, made me do a deeper dive that that English word share is actually from the Greek word koinonia. And that changes things for me. That for I those want, of us who might not know Greek. Yeah, uh, which, which I, that would be me as well, by the way. When I share in his suffering, Paul is saying, I want to have fellowship in his suffering. I want to be connected in his suffering. I want to associate myself with his suffering. I want to feel something while I'm doing something. That's what I've been thinking about with Lent. Now, for the last 26 years, I've been either in Silicon Valley or here, and both of these places, the number one idol, in my opinion, is time. It is the thing that I refuse to give up. And this is doubly hard for me because Holy Week and Easter is a part of my job description. So that means when I go through the seasons of, of the sacred calendar, I'm supposed to do that. But what is it on my calendar that I really want to do? Will I give that up? So that I can be connected, associated, understand that Jesus gave his very body for me. So I got to think about that and consider that. Do I really want to know him? Do I really want to be in fellowship? Not just with Christ. Paul is specific. Fellowship in his suffering. Hmm. That feels anti-American to me. So it's a conscious decision that there's something on my Google calendar that I love to do that I'm going to give up on purpose so that I can be closer to Christ. And do you, do you relabel that just suffering? For me, it has, it has been practically, you know, at the beginning of the year when you have New Year's resolutions and you have that New Year's resolution of, I want um, more intentional time with the Lord, devotional time. You know, we, we, we categorize that as spiritual disciplines. For me, I do that during this season. That my restart in my quiet time, my restart in my daily Bible reading is during this time. It's not the beginning of the year. Cool. Do you, like, what's been, what, what, have you had to take something out, or is it just the sheer, like, 
changing your your rhythm or your schedule. Yeah, I have had to take something out, but this doesn't sound sexy at all. Um, when I hear people coming here at 2 a.m., that sounds like suffering to me. <laughs> I have an artist's temperament, and so sleep is a real, when when we have breakfast like at eight o'clock. You gotta know I love you to do that. You just gotta know. I'm, I'm feeling that right now. I think yes. Artist temperament. I'm gonna remember that. That's new for me. I, oh my goodness. For me, it's time when I think I'm supposed to be sleeping. Where I intentionally, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make that time, which is usually, it's quieter in my house during that time, because I'm married to and have all artistic kids, and so. I have had from seven in the morning to nine o'clock in the morning quietness in my house because nobody is awake. And that works for me. And I, I know how odd that sounds, no. but, but, but boy. That sounds like suffering to me. Because it's not time that I would give to the Lord. So two things. You're... I'm sure this is not what you're saying, but what I'm learning right now is that I was an artist from 15 to 25. So that was a good decade of my life where I was very artistic, apparently. I didn't produce anything. I just slept more. And so secondly, um, what, what you're... Uh, I, I'm just... So you, you, you started with suffering, and you're... And you're what you, what you did in your practical schedule was you changed, you were uncomfortable and you, you disciplined yourself to, to make a commitment to do something that was out of the norm. And um, I think for, for some of us, we hear suffering and we immediately just put that in the no thanks category. Um, and so if I could kind of maybe bring it down a little bit, if suffering is way up here, like just choosing to to shift a, a commitment to be slightly uncomfortable, to give up something um, is, a, is like a slight, a slight changing of the dial a little bit, like we're just turning it a little bit, um, but we're creating space to do the, well, the verse isn't up there, but to do the first thing, to be, to be with Jesus, to maybe not fully lean into what he, the suffering was, but to actually spend time with Jesus and experience That's him the and point. Him. Yeah. That is the point. And practically, in this season, I am walking alongside three other brothers. We're doing a read-through mm. of the Gospel of John. So that is the practical, yeah. how I'm doing that. And, and the other thing that, that's, like, January 1 is such an easy target for us. Uh, and, and probably all of us in some way re reorient or recalibrate in some way, make a new commitment. But to think through that and, to, and in a sense, put it on Jesus' calendar and start with, with Lent is, a, is pretty fascinating. That's... that's I'm going to take that with me. That's good. Becky, what about you? What, is, what does Lent mean for you now, and how have you stepped into it and experienced this season of preparation? I probably shouldn't give away the punchline before the start, but I will tell you that my version of suffering involves Girl Scout cookies. So unintentionally, that... <laughs> my husband knows... Um, if, if you don't know me, um, by now you may already have guessed, 
My temperament is one of kind of all or nothing, passionate, all in. Um, I just have to chuckle every time I read that story of Peter. We read it, I think, last week. You know, I want to wash your feet. No, don't wash your feet. Well, if you if I don't wash your feet, you can't have me. Oh, then wash all of me. I mean, that's sort of how I do. The first time I started experimenting with what it meant to do Lent, um, I thought, why not model Jesus? And we'll just give up everything. Well, that doesn't work very well. Um, so Lent is always a bit of a challenge for me because I can get distracted by my own zeal really, really quickly. And I think God knows that. Uh, I teach a class every spring on Ecclesiastes. We read through it in Hebrew with all my second year students. And um, the start of Lent always lines up every year with the translation of a verse I think I'm going to have up on the screen and from Ecclesiastes. And I, I stopped it a little earlier um, because I wanted to include my favorite verse, but I'm going to read just a little past that. It says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. So, like, be careful. You're in holy presence when you go before God. Do not be quick with your mouth. <laughs> I could just stop right there and meditate for a year. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. Uh, pretty much anyone who hears me speak knows that the last four or five years, this has been my favorite verse too. He's just saying, you're not divinity and I am. So let your words be few. I'm gonna, a dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It's better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin, and do not protest to the temple messenger, my vow is a mistake. For why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? In other words, you're talking and making a commitment to God when you're vowing something. And so, there's always this gentle reminder to me every semester to take whatever I'm offering to the Lord seriously. Um, I don't know that that's the best thing for me because I already take things way too seriously. But for me, it sort of orients my mind to why I'm doing this thing in a culture where it is uh, kind of popular to fast and where weight and, you know, physique is a thing, it's like, ooh, that would be a great time to combine the two. And in my mind, God is constantly reminding me, no, this is about me. So one of the ways this particular year that I'm doing Lent is to give up anything with sugar that has, like, <laughs> this is <laughs> not like white bread that actually has sugar in it, but... <laughs> That's how obsessive I am. Um, but like anything that's like a donut or intentionally sugared, 
I have to clarify that with God. And I also clarified with God, if I walk into a room and there's a bowl of M&Ms and I forget and I take one, please forgive me. It's intentional consumption of. <laughs> now you know why Jim laughs when, anyway. So, because I, I, I think that's my quirky personality, but the heart of it is, Lord, this is for you. This isn't about me. In fact, I added a piece to it right now and that is for this season that is, I know this is not what you expect to hear on Sunday, but I'm just not going to even step on a scale for this time. It's not about me being healthier or me being thinner. It's about me sacrificing intentionally when I walk by and see something that looks great, going, Lord, I love you more than that. I really do. And that doesn't seem too hard, but sometimes it is. I was going to tell you the other thing I give up, but it doesn't matter. I give up the intentional use of electronics, uh, and here's why I give that up. I'll tell you. I, yeah. uh, I don't give it up just because I'm addicted to it. I give it up right now because it, listening to books on tape or watching shows is what quiets my mind when I'm racing, and it has for a long time. And... In my heart, I feel convicted right now for Lent when I was praying about what to do to let God quiet my mind. Uh, I've become very attached to the distraction, and for the hours, I have listened to so many books on tape. And even though not all of that time will be transferred to prayer time because my mind still races, it'll start a prayer and then... (laughs) um, I'm at least looking to him to settle what's going on or sitting with him in those moments. Um, so those are the things that I've done. What Do I still have time to share the thing I learned last night? Yeah, can I, before you share that, though, I, I think just as you're, as you're sharing this, um, I don't want us to miss what... Um, so fasting, you might have... Uh, um, we, your, your idea of fasting or when you hear that, we certainly, fasting is not a new term for us now. We hear it in terms of, of, of dieting and health and all these kinds of things. And so fasting's out there in the culture now. That's, that, that wasn't true 20 years ago. It was hardly ever heard. And so it was very much a religious thing and it's been co-opted in, in many ways in, in other ways. And so to pull this back into what Jesus was doing when he went into the desert for 40 days and fasted, um, it, what it does is it, it, it's this constant reminder of every time we bump into that thing. So for you, sugar, um, that it, it, it's an opportunity to be reminded of why we've made that decision. And so even the, like you qualified with intentional. And so that you, that, I mean, and it's, it's, it kind of sounds silly. Like you kind of want to laugh at it, but the, the fact that you would, for these, these days that you would, that you, you know, you would say, I'm not going to eat sugar. And oops, I just, I just had a few uh, pieces of candy from this bowl that was in this office that I walked into. And I just, I just didn't even think about it. And so there's one way to go. There's, you could go down the path of like, I'm such a horrible person. I broke my commitment. And, and then you make it about the discipline, but it's not actually about the discipline. The discipline is just a portal for us to encounter God in every moment that we're in. And so what you do is you say, I just ate a couple of M&Ms and there's a God who knows that I did that. And I'm dealing with the fact that I just kind of crossed over a line. But you know what, God, like, you're not going to smite me for that. It's actually an opportunity for me to laugh at this 
and to know that you're present with me and that you're walking with me. And you actually don't care that I just said those M&Ms, but now I'm more aware of your presence with me. And so it's very, and again, some of us are more inclined to this than others, that we make it about the discipline and that our eyes don't actually get to where God really wants our eyes and our heart is on, on him. And so as the more you're talking about this, and where you started with, he's God in heaven and I am not. Like, it's a chance for me in a season to uh, put my attention on God, even to the point where I'm going to invite him to help calm my heart. When I found these tools and these mechanisms and these electronic cheats to kind of get me there, I'm going to invite you now, God, to, to do that. So I just think that's really significant for us and important. I didn't want us to miss that before you talk more about cookies. So go ahead. No, I appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> Yesterday, I learned something about Lent. So I had everything prepared that Tim and I were, and Avery were talking about today. And then um, you, many of you know we have, um, he's like our son. He's an extra, um, Zach Munoz. And he is actually in his fifth year of seminary studying to be a Catholic priest. Uh, he used to be a student of mine at Multnomah. Um, so I know him really well, and I've watched him learn all these things about these, you know, a very liturgical environment. And so we have been talking a lot this year. He's on a pastoral year here in Portland. So I, our lives overlap a lot more. He kind of lives at our place when he's not at the parish. And, uh, and it's Lent, and so we're always teasing about what he's fasting and this and that. And he tends to be a little bit like my personality, pretty hardcore. So yesterday, he's in our house, and Jim had stopped at the store and bought Girl Scout cookies. Um, <laughs> this was his announcement. I went to the store to buy milk, but I only got one gallon because I used all the rest of my cash on Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> and I was like, oh, if only it weren't Lent. Um, so Zach was opening the box and going around and trying to give me some of the best ones, and not being pharisaical and announcing it, but it's safe in my home. See, see how crazy I am for the, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just said, oh, I can't. And he's like, you want to? And I'm like, yes, I do, but it's a Lent thing. And he said, oh, so you'll have to wait till tonight or tomorrow. And I'm like, that sounds way more promising than what I had planned. <laughs> like, I'm thinking Easter. And he, and this is what I learned, and it was like, Oh, it was so cool and yummy, but it was so much more than yummy. He said, oh, yeah, Sundays don't count in the Catholic tradition. Like, what are you doing with Lent? How are you practicing it if you don't even know it? And I'm like, I'm a noob. Educate me. And he said, all Sundays, and I'm going to don't look at this for Catholic theology. I don't know. But he said, Sundays are, and this is true for all theology, the day of the week that we habitually celebrate the, the resurrection, the restoration, the redemption of Christ, they're, they're a celebration day, and they, they trump even Lent. So they're set as our day to celebrate, and, and the celebration trumps the suffering. And I'm like, when does Sunday start? <laughs> On the Catholic calendar, because I know on the Jewish calendar, <laughs> starts at sunset the night before. And he said, actually, in Lenten tradition, it starts as soon as you've done Vespers, so around 6 o'clock that night. So I waited till 8, <laughs> just to be safe. <laughs> 
just, just to be clear, did you wait to eight just to be safe or because you didn't want it to count as dinner? Like, was that like, <laughs> did you have the Girl Scout cookies for dinner? That's my question. It was because you, you asked, so I'm going to tell you. It's because I wanted the cookies so bad. I needed just one more little ounce of discipline to prove that I love God more. I have so many questions that I'm not going to ask, but that's, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's yeah. yeah. It was, obviously I haven't had anything sugary since, I haven't even forgotten and eaten anything sugary since February 14th or 13th. And it's Girl Scout cookies, like the epitome of the best food in the world. Okay, can you stop saying Girl Scout cookies? Are we talking Thin Mints or some other version? Like, Both. <laughs> okay, okay, that's good. Just thin Mints and Samoas. I'm not kidding. Like, there's a reason they only make these once a year. <sighs> so anyway, uh, I think we were playing a game of Rummy Cub or Rummy Cube, depends how you pronounce it. And the game just melted away for me. And it's not because I'm obsessed with Samoas, a little bit, but because the picture that it painted for me was a brand new picture. And here I had planned till Easter and it was like, ah, but there's a celebration that intervenes. And it's, 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 it's even more beautiful than, than sh the best kind of sugar possible on a, on a tongue that's been without. And it was, it was like Lent. I felt like in that moment I learned what I needed to learn about Lent and celebration and resurrection kind of intervening on this world and showing us a picture of something different. So it was, it was wonderful. Sam, I'm on my way to Common Ground. Peace. Thank you. Avery's out. Avery is running to, to lead his church on the west side. Avery, thanks for being here. So Becky, the, uh, the thing, oh, thank you. Um, the thing that stands out as, as you share that is just the, um, I mean, again, for, it's, it's one of it's a, just a detail. Like there, there is a practice, there's a rhythm to, to Lent where Sundays are set aside for a day of celebration. And so it's this, it's this uh, precursor, it's this taste of what will be and this little hint along the way throughout the month and a half or so. And so um, as I've always, often said, maybe, maybe you've caught it, is Lent is 40 days plus Sundays, 40 days plus Sundays. So if you count back 40 days, you're like, you don't end up at Ash Wednesday. You end up about six days short because of the Sundays. And so there is this rhythm to it. Yeah, and, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and, and now you do. And it, but, but even that, think of the, the, I mean, you're talking about eating a, a cookie, which is, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a, that can be a powerful experience. It sounds like it was for you. So that's great. But, it, but also like it's, on, on Easter Sunday, it, it's not just a cookie. Like, you'll be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus with a bunch of other people and standing and singing and hearing the story told and seeing people baptized. And it's this, and so it's this little, like, kind of hint. This is what's coming. This is what's yeah, coming. Yeah, it was like a, this is what the suffering, it was the contrast between the suffering and the rejoicing. 
I don't know yeah. how else to, you know, there's there's a reason we're doing this, and I'm trying so hard to do it right. If you haven't noticed, that's also a trait with of me. So hard to do it right. And he's like, and I already fixed it. Like, I got this. I This is a beautiful thing. What is? I, so. Yeah, even as you share about your own kind of personality and what you're wrestling through, it's like a, it's like this curveball, almost like a, a, a grace for you of like, hey, you're working this hard. You actually don't. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you six days in this, in this season that you didn't even know were coming. And, and again, it's more of his character that you're seeing. It's not just about our, how can we discipline ourselves or suffer, but how can we experience Jesus? Yeah, and the fact, I know that resurrection is the most powerful thing that ever happened. I started with that. But that it's a weekly celebration that it 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 sets the tone for our calendars it triumphs over even a season of um well suffering or participating in suffering uh, yeah i just think god's great amen agreed so here, here is my, the verse that, that uh, God's been, been using with me recently through this, this year of Lent is uh, actually related to, I came to it uh, um, as I was preparing for a couple weeks ago, we, we talked about uh, that we want to be a people who love our enemies. And uh, there's this verse, Romans chapter 5, uh, verse 10 says this, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? And what what came to me, like what obviously what jumps out was like that that um, that I, that we that humanity was enem- considered God's enemies at one point that we that we were sinners and it was at that very moment that Jesus that, that Jesus came for us that God designed and, and had this plan to send Jesus to go through this suffering that we're reflecting on and, and remembering and have these ways to do that on a, on a regular kind of rhythm. Um, but Jesus did this for us while we were opposed to God. That, and um, and I, that's, not a, that's not a new idea for me. I'm very familiar with that. But it, it took me back to about, it was almost, I think it was uh, 2005. Um, and I was, I was helping plan a Good Friday gathering, uh, which communion is part of that. Uh, and, and it was, this year stands out to me because I, as we're, as we're planning it and, and writing some of it and reflecting on some of it, and, and I was thinking through my piece of, of it, um, came to this realization, and it was just this, this moment uh, where I realized I was, I was planning it with other people in mind, and God spoke to me very clearly and said, no, actually, you need this. And that, again, that's not a new idea. But what I realized is that I had put that, like, in the past reference point at some point, And he was bringing it right into the here and now. And so at that year, in Lent, looking towards Good Friday, was that was he was saying to me, like, this is, this is for you. And so as we, and I, I had been fasting from uh, some things and, and going through this. And that was that was what God used that season for me is to, is to reiterate, like, this is actually for you. And I, I was able to identify, I actually am uncomfortable sitting in that space and realizing Christ 2000 years ago went to the cross and experienced pain, suffering, and death. 
um, not because of you, but because of me. And I don't, I don't actually like sitting in that spot. I want to move past that and put that in the past. And he just kept bringing it back, bringing it back. And, and having to realize, like, I'm, I played a role in this. And this isn't for other people. This is for me. And I, uh, and so every year now, it's been like whatever that is, to about, about 20 years, 19, 20 years or something. And every Lent and Good Friday and Holy Week specifically, he, he brings me back to that in, in some way. And I'm, uh, I'm invited by him to start with myself instead of, and this is, I'm sure this isn't hard to understand, but as a, as a pastor, I can easily go into planning mode for, for others. Uh, and he consistently brings it back to, no, this is about you, Tim. This is about me and you first. And if it's not there first, it doesn't matter what you do and planning and all of that. And so Lent has, has been that for me in a number of different ways. And I, I actually remember, um, I, I think I shared this with you um, this week, that my, my first time uh, leading through this season at Mosaic, I, I made a young pastor mistake. Um, I, in the moment, on the Sunday prior to Ash Wednesday, got really excited and shared what I was going to fast from. And I got in, I, I kind of, I don't think this was the Holy Spirit. I think this was me inspiring myself. And I said in the moment, I'm going to, I'm fasting from TV. I wanted to set the bar really high. I'm going to fast from television. And I just, I came off, you know, that Sunday and went home and just like this deep sense of like, I am suffering for Jesus. And then within a week or two, a buddy said like, hey, do you want to do a, um, a March Madness bracket? I was like, um, what did I do? And I had to confess Sunday after Sunday, I have not watched television. I have not watched March Madness. I have not watched a basketball game. I have not. And, and again, it would be very easy for that to become about the discipline. And just as you can imagine, this the sheer pain and sacrifice of not watching any March Madness games that year. And, I, and it had to become not about the discipline, but about like, what am I going to do? Because I can hear my family watching in the other room, but I'm going to go in the other room and how am I possibly going to connect with Jesus right now when I, everything about me wants to be over there. Now, for some of you, you don't care about match madness. You might care about Girl Scout cookies, but to use that, that letting go of something or self-sacrifice of something or self, I love the term self-disobedience because we know what we want to do and we, how we want to obey ourselves and our desires and longings and to, to curb those or limit those for a season not just for the, the limiting them, but to, in, to set that time aside to encounter Jesus. Can I pull a Tim? Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means, but I'm very scared. Can I make a comment about what oh, you please, shared? Please, yeah. yeah, but I'm not kind like Tim. Then no, you can't do it. <laughs> can I go back past your illustration to the thing you shared that seemed to be at the heart of your experience, and that is recognizing that it isn't just part of your job description as a pastor to lead everyone else through it, but that he came for you and you like gave some of those wounds. I think you can hear the differences in our personalities. For me, that's a given and I'm just all there groveling and he's like, no, I love you. Have a cookie. (laughs) So, but you shared almost the opposite side of that, 
And what I want to know is, you know, what was your experience? Is that painful? Is that humbling? Is it freeing? What's it like to look at that and be hit with the fact that? No, thank you for asking. That's that's great. It was uh, uh, humbling. Um, and maybe even like, uh, uh, I'm going to use like present tense, like broken, breaking. It was like breaking. It was like, oh, this is, this is for me. And like, and it, I mean, it was a really deep thing, which is why I remember it, but it was that I don't want, actually, this is the way I was able to articulate it to, to somebody at the time. Um, I don't want to have contributed to what Jesus experienced. And so, again, this is where our personalities are different. Um, thanks for turning this into a counseling session. But I, 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 I want to undo that. And so my leaning is how can I do enough good to not do that, which is a common human deception and, and lie. And so what it did is it made what sometimes can be flat communion, this, this deep and multi-layered and, and multi-kind of big experience of, of Jesus saying, like, I, I died for you, step into this moment and be here with me and let me and receive the grace that you don't want to really need. And so it was beautiful. It was, yeah, but it was breaking in a sense of like, oh, okay, I'm trying to distance myself from that and he's inviting me in. And so, especially through, you know, what a, what a gift at that stage of my life to then go through the last, uh, I mean, certainly, you know, parenting the last two decades, marriage the last two decades, leadership the last two decades with that kind of as a reference point to go back to has just been, has been beautiful, so. Yeah, to wrap it up, it sounds like we both come to the same spot in the end, like you're inviting me into something, Lord, with your forgiveness and your covering and your grace that neither one of us That's want good, to yeah. race toward because yeah. either we don't think you know, we could ever be that whatever spoke into our heads yeah. or I don't want to have contributed that because I, yeah. So maybe take that and, um, and as an invitation from Jesus to lean into Lent and to find something for you that you can adjust in your schedule or in your life that you can give up and say, Jesus, meet me in this as I, as I give this up or shift this or, or limit it. Um, and also, um, I'm going to actually, would you, would you pray us into communion? This is, again, communion is we, we come to every week, and the, the team's going to lead us as we continue to worship. But as you, we're invited to this, this table, uh, into this moment every week, and then, um, and then uh, on Easter, we actually don't take communion because we celebrate that Jesus has conquered death and risen. Um, but, but Good Friday is a, is a special moment of communion for us as well. And so the, the juice represents Jesus' bloodshed on the cross and the little cracker uh, that's really hard to get out of the bowl sometimes is to represent his, his body broken on the cross uh, for us. And so as we sing, uh, would you come and, and to the Lord's table and take his, his blood and his body? Yeah. And this week I learned that this table supersedes even our sadness. It's a time to remember and celebrate his sacrifice freely given for each one of us. Heavenly Father, thank you for things that we can't grasp, for depth of love and depth of sacrifice. 
uh, that even when we intentionally set aside 40 days to try to come to terms with in the rhythm of our normal life, that we, we still fall short of even comprehending. Lord, thank you that you were so focused on your love for us that you were willing to humble yourself not just to be born a person and to live and walk and experience all kinds of things on this earth and to teach us but also to experience the utter humiliation of rejection and death as a criminal. And Lord, thank you in that same way that as we'll celebrate in a few weeks, that you were powerful enough to conquer death because we can't and that you did that for us. Lord, as we take your communion and we remember your body broken for us and your blood shed for us, May we see the mystery that still remains, no matter how hard we try to understand it, as yet another sign of your magnitude. Lord, Lord, may everything we say and do this coming week be an act of worship to you. In your name we pray. Amen.